I hope that last week spoke to your heart. If you were here last week, I hope you really got something out of that. The truth of the matter is, is you can only give what you have. Okay. I, 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 I can't give you somebody else's faith. I can only give you the faith that I have. I can only give you the joy that I'm living in. Okay. The rest of the time, all I'm doing is talking about it. But what we have is what we have to give. <clears throat> if you have missed any of Acts, I encourage you to go back because these messages are really important in the guidance of the direction for our church. So we want to stay on task. And you know, I know there's stuff goes on, but praise God that we do have a good website. You can go back and catch the message. And sometimes they've even edited it and took out all of the stuff they thought was not so important. <laughs> so... Which, uh, if, there, if you were here the Sunday that the fly was in here, see, they could edit that out when I'm up here trying to not eat it. Anyway, so let's get going. Acts 3, <clears throat> verse 11. It says, when he clung to Peter, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy One, the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, to be, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. <clears throat> and the faith that is in through Jesus is through Jesus, has given this man his perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come upon, come, may come from the presence of the Lord, that you may that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. <clears throat> Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after also proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophet and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying, Ab saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. <clears throat> I read all that because by the time we get done, we are going to have read every word in Acts. 
But the focus today that I really want you to get a hold of is two things. And, and we'll work our way through there. The first part of it is this. The lame man is jumping and leaping and praising God. Remember that? We talked about that last week. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but if you have never walked and now you can walk, how do you think you would react? Would you get a little excited? Huh? Maybe? Yep. So he's pretty excited. The people are astounded because, I mean, he's been at this gate forever, it seems like. And so the response, of course, of the people is, wow. I mean, I gave, I've given him alms. I have, I've given him some food and different times like this. And so this is amazing. Now, Peter being a preacher uh, never misses an opportunity, right? So he jumps on this and he says, you know what? This is a good time to preach repentance and salvation. So he begins to, to speak to him. And I, I especially like that the first thing he says to him is, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Very important that he immediately gives the honor and the glory to whom the honor and glory should be given to, Jesus Christ. I don't know what it is, but some people like to take credit <laughs> for, for God using them. I don't know. That's not a good idea. Because I, 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 I read in the Bible one time that when God needed a donkey, he used a donkey. All right? So, you know, taking credit is not a good idea. It's him. Give him all the glory. Give him... Give him the praise. Because um, the bottom line is this. Even if you have the gift of healing, and that is a real thing, and some people have the gift of healing, even if you had that, you do not have the power to heal at your own discretion. Right? But you, what that gift means is that God has entrusted you that he might flow through you to, to heal and minister to people. <clears throat> but we are all instructed to lay hands on the sick and to pray. Yes, we are. You, listen, you don't, you don't need to bring them to an elder. <clears throat> if you have the opportunity, if somebody's sick, pray with them. Put your hands upon them and believe. Such as I have, give I thee. I, if you're walking around in good health, then just pray good health upon them. Minister to them. But anyway, I shared something to you, with you last week, and I want to reiterate it. Because I think it's really important that we understand the times. <clears throat> When we get a sense of urgency, I believe God is going to start doing things more immediately. And we have lived a long period of time, it seems like, when we pray for people and, we, and our prayer is, is, is that they will get better. And so over the course of time, they get better. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm feeling yucky and you pray for me and my antibiotics are working, I'm going to get better, okay? Okay. But I do believe there is, is a reality that, that when we pray for people, God touches them and they immediately begin to be whole. All right? And so I believe that as we grasp the urgency of our time, because God needs to be glorified in our midst. The world needs to see Jesus before he shows up. Amen. Okay? <clears throat> if uh, these are the last days, I believe they are. I believe, I believe we could see the Lord's return. I mean, folks, you look at everything going on all over the world, and we are on the edge. 
Now, I don't know how long that edge will be, but we could see the return of the Lord. And so that's why I told you last week, you know, we're talking about the first church. We need to get a hold of that mentality because we could be the last church, the last workings of God upon the earth before his return. And if the fields are white into harvest, then I'm, I'm pretty confident that God is waiting on us more than we're waiting on him. He, he's, he's ready to do more when he can get his church on the right page. Amen? So we need to get on the right page with him. <clears throat> anyway, Peter proceeds to explain how this miracle came through the power of Jesus Christ. And then he goes right after him, just like he always does. That, you know, this was through Jesus who you delivered up to Pilate in exchange for a murderer. That's like going for the juggler. I mean, he doesn't, he, no, he does, he takes the gloves off quick and he goes, you know what? This guy's walking because Jesus healed him. And, you, and, and, and in case you're missing it, this is the Jesus that you crucified in place of a murderer. Anyway, it was a tremendously good message. Because he, he says something here that I, I, I think is where I want to get going. And that is, he says this, he says, you acted in ignorance. And God knows it. But it's time for you to repent. And the reality of it is, is, I, is most people have acted or lived in ignorance. And they have never come to the reality or the point of understanding that their life of sin and rebellion is what crucified the Lord. Okay? It wasn't, it wasn't the Jewish people. It wasn't Roman soldiers. It was our sin and rebellion that crucified the Lord. Okay? Those were purely the, 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 the tools of that moment. Our sins did it. And I'm pretty confident that if you're here and you're saved, at some point you have come to that knowledge that your sins are the reason Jesus died. Yeah. It's got to be personal. My sins, my sins are why he died. And, and anyway, if you've done that, then you've asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and he's Lord of your life, then praise God, that's, you're in the right place. It's an awesome thing you've done. But here's what I want to do today, Okay. That's the reason why I, I feel like the message is, is really important. Because I, I want to explain some stuff that, that is theological that a lot of times we, we think maybe somebody's got it, but they may not have it. So I'm going to use today's passage to clarify how repentance works with two things. Ready? How repentance works with salvation and sanctification. Okay? <clears throat> um. What happens when we turn from our wickedness, when we repent, and we turn to Jesus? We get saved, salvation, right? Salvation. Um, for clarification, now I'm going to break it down into four things that's very important there. So please tune yourself in. The four basic components of salvation, they're going to come up here. You ready? First of all, there is repentance. Then there is surrender, then faith, and grace. Now, let's look at them. Repentance, the first one. 
When we repent of our sins, there is a genuine sorrow involved in that repentance. There is a realization that, just what we said a minute ago, that my sins require Jesus to die. It took the blood of Jesus on the cross to free me forever from my sins. <clears throat> when there is a genuine repentance, then there is a change in direction. Come on, folks. This is, this is very, very valuable. When there is a genuine repentance, there is a change in direction. All right? Which goes to the next part, surrender. Surrender is when we give our life to the Lord. We surrender to his lordship. He is now Lord over everything. Genuine surrender means that he's Lord over everything. That means he's Lord over my life. He's Lord over my decisions. He's Lord over my, my wants. Hello? He's Lord over everything. That is very, very important. Repentance without surrender is not salvation. I have seen way too many people who have repented because they feel miserable and they repent. And when they do repent, they feel better because he's a God of forgiveness. But that does not mean that they have surrendered their life to his lordship. Very important part of the equation. Now, then comes faith. Faith is basically the reason that we seek God's repentance and believe that he loves us and that he wants to forgive and be Lord of our life and, and do a work inside of us. Faith is that we believe that about him. And then comes grace, which is why God extends to us at salvation and by that grace justifies us, which means that we are now pure, justified, sinless before God. For by grace are you saved through faith. So grace is applied to our life. It's accessed by our faith when we go to him, repent of our sins, Surrender our life to him, and then he now has total access to my life. He's Lord over me. <clears throat> and now by all that, I am transformed into a new person, a new creation that Jesus will abide in forever. Now, was that clear? Sort of. Now, I, that is very abbreviated. That's the quick version. Um, and I know it doesn't encompass everything that's involved, but that gives you a, a basis whereby you can understand when we, are, when we are talking about being saved, we're talking about these things. When we're talking about, what, do you want to give your life to Lord? Do you, want, do you want him to be Lord of your life? This is what we're talking about. We're talking about a repentance. We're talking about a surrender. We're talking about grace is now accessed by your faith and everything that's his is now mine because I've surrendered to him. Now, God's intention is that through salvation, I am going to walk by the spirit and, and bear fruit of godliness as I apply myself to the good work for which I was created. 
You see, every one of you <clears throat> were created for a good purpose, for a good work. Now, that work may be dormant and may never happen because you never give your life to the Lord. But once you do, you begin to realize that he has always had a plan for you. And now it's in motion. <clears throat> I do not work <laughs> for my salvation. Okay? I work because I'm saved. Amen. I am not an employee trying to earn my wages. I am a son who is living out my responsibility to God. Do you, you see the difference in that? Okay. I, I'm, I'm not an employee. I, I don't got to put in my 40 hours so as to get my paycheck. I am a son, which means I am a full-time responsibility to the father. Big difference on how that works. <clears throat> so, now here's why this is important. Just like any son or daughter... Sometimes I stray. How many of you, you have, your kids are so perfect, they never, never, ne you, no, no, no. I mean, I got some good kids, but I can't say never. Um, just like any son and daughter, sometimes as a child of God, we stray. We do not do what we ought to do. And because of that, the Father corrects us. Which he does by conviction. Are you with me? By convicting me. The sins that Christians struggle with are all in the scriptures. There's all kinds of sins that Christians struggle with. Even, I mean, it's not like you became a Christian if ah, there's no more pressure. There's no more temptation. There's no more bad choices or whatever. No, <clears throat> Christians struggle even after the salvation. You read the New Testament letters, you're going to see all kinds of things. Bitterness, anger, unwholesome talk, uh, selfishness, hypocrisy. Okay, there's a lot of things that, that, that we can struggle with. <clears throat> Conviction, and this is in your notes, is a spiritual chastening that makes us feel like we need to repent. Now, I, I, that's very, very important. Conviction is a spiritual chastening that makes us feel like we need to repent. Unless we are hard-hearted, that will get the job done. Okay. So I start acting a little bit selfish. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit convicts me that I'm all about me and, and, and that I need to change my attitude. And so therefore, I need to do what? I need to repent. I thank the Lord that he has given us the Holy Spirit to convict us and bring us back on track Back into alignment with God when we get off. <clears throat> now, ready? But every time I feel conviction, every time, not, I, I, there's no reason I guess. 
Let's put the button there. Every time I feel conviction of dead works, of bad choices, wasteful living, selfish actions, whatever it is, I need to repent. But I don't need to get saved again. Now, this is why this is important. I need to repent, but I don't, I don't need to get saved again. <clears throat> the fact that there is this process of conviction when you do things that God's not pleased with that are not in alignment with his word, the fact that those things are there and that you feel conviction when you do what you shouldn't do, that's a good sign you got something, okay? That's a good sign that the Lord is in you because just like, you know, just for me, I mean, it would be the same thing as my dad going, uh, I told you to take the trash out. Why is the trash still sitting over there? That's a father and a son relationship, right? In fact, I told you three times to take the trash out. Natural response is, I'm sorry, Dad. I, I, I should have listened better. See, that's a relationship that we have with God. So that when, when these things are pointed out, I respond by repentance and, and, and then I get back on track, which means I go get the trash and take it out. We have a relationship. I do not get kicked out of the house and have to apply for adoption to get back in. I'm still the son, right? Okay. <clears throat> when you feel conviction, repent. I do it regularly. Don't look at me like you don't. You better be. Or don't look at me like, what you've been doing. I've been living. And because I'm alive, sometimes I'm dumb. And just make dumb choices. And so, therefore, there's a repentance. But here's what you got to understand. It's so important. Your salvation is not teetering on the edge every time you make a wrong choice. That's not the way it works. Your salvation is based upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And, and here's the good news, all right? He always has a better hold on us than we have on him. He's got a good hold. Now, you know me. I've been preaching this for eight years since I've been here. And, I, I, and I, I, I'll sit down with anybody anytime if you need me to. You always have the power of choice. Always. You have the power of choice. And because you have the power of choice, you have the power to choose to go into rebellion and to walk away from your Lord. Right. And folks, I can show you that all through the Bible. The whole story of Israel is a constant choosing to go the opposite direction of God. And judgment came. All right, so that's a reality. And, 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 and it's important that we get that. But this is in your notes also. Turning away from your faith and losing your salvation are two different things. 
Turning away from your faith has an element of rebellion in it. We can become rebellious to God. But losing your salvation? No. You don't misplace it. <laughs> you don't lose it because you don't give it all the time and attention that you ought to be giving. Here's the reality of it. Most people, not most, mostly, people are known to get busy and to wander and to get sidetracked and all that kind of stuff and not realize that they're not as close to the Lord as they used to be. They're not where they once were with the Lord. Are you following me? And when they feel like that and they feel like something's not right, the Holy Spirit's conviction power begins to go to work and says, hey, come on, come on. Because you are as close to Jesus as you want to be. Because his wills, I want to be as close to you as I can be. But you have the power to choose how close you are to him. Amen? Amen. That's in your court. Um, So when we're not as close as we should be, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is what's drawing us to come back. And by repentance, we come immediately back into closeness. When you feel conviction, repent. Always repent. God, forgive me. I mean, folks, whatever it might be, maybe you've just had a bad attitude. Lord brings it to your surface, to the surface. Repent. Maybe somebody did something and you were angry and you and 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 harboring ill feelings. Forgive. Forgive. You gotta release it. Why? So you can stay close to the Lord. You can't hold on to that. The Lord's prayer, the model prayer that He gives for the saints, right? His children, has in it. What? This line, forgive us of our sins as we forgive our, those that sin against us, right? Yeah. So the reality of it is, is that there is, I mean, Christians can sin. Christians can be selfish. I'm going to raise my hand. Christians can just be dumb and do dumb stuff. When they do, they should repent immediately so they can enjoy times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. That's what he told him. He said, repent and enjoy times of refreshing. Praise God. Anytime I'm doing dumb and I'm getting over here and the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, dude, you've been so busy lately. You haven't spent any time in prayer. You haven't read your Bible in like four days. What any of those things come? Could that be relevant to anybody in this room? Haven't prayed, haven't read any Bible, haven't done anything, and really spending time with Him. When that stuff kind of like that kind of stuff happens, and the Holy Spirit brings it to my attention, then what do I do? I think, God, I'm sorry, man. To be Lord of my life and to be the Savior of my soul, I, I don't know how I get so busy that I I don't have time for You. So what do I do? I get right back over here where I need to be. Repent. And get back on track. And you know what happens when I get back over here? I feel so refreshed. I, I, I just, I feel his presence. I feel motivated again. I feel like, whoo, I got the arms of the Lord wrapped around me. Here's my point. Once you genuinely give your heart to the Lord and you're saved, 
you know what has now begun? It's what we call sanctification. If you remember the two words I put up there, it's repentance in regard to salvation and sanctification. You know how you got started in this? Because you repented of your sins and asked him to be Lord of your life. Now, what's going on is what we call sanctification. Look at your notes. Sanctification is a reason we don't believe you lose your salvation. Okay? Because of sanctification. Sanctification is the continual work uh, well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sanctification is a twofold process. It is instant and progressive. Instant and progressive. Instant sanctification means that you are immediately made holy. You remember Jesus on the cross and looks over at the guy beside him and he says, this day you'll spend with me in paradise. They both died that day, right? Why was it that that man, no matter how horrible his life was, and it had to be a horrible life to end up on the cross, because except for Jesus, you got, you got, <laughs> you got put up there because you were either an insurrectionist or a murderer or something like that. You did something terrible. But he could look at him and he could say, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because the forgiveness of God and the salvation of God is an immediate thing. You are now made holy, made perfect. Not by what you've done, but by, because of what the Lord has done. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Old is gone, new has come. You're a new creation immediately in Christ Jesus. That old life, that, that, that sin that separated you has now been removed. You are now this new you made holy. And from that, at that moment right there, if something were to happen to you, you're ready to stand before God because he has cleansed you and made you holy. Right? First Chronicles, Chronicles, 1 Corinthians 6.16 says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Folks, those three things right there, that, that, that is exactly what happened and the reason why you should rejoice in the Lord. When, when you came to him, all right, he washed your sins away. You remember that old song, he washed my sins away? No, some of you don't. Anyway. All right. He washed your sins away. He sanctified you. He literally took every blemish and made you holy unto him. And you are now justified. You are just as if you had never done anything wrong. Clean slate, new start. That's pretty nice. Amen. That's the reason why you are ready to go to heaven. But how many of you know he doesn't take you <laughs> right then and there? It'd be nice, but I mean, some of you might think, no, no, no. But then there is the continual work of sanctification. If I were to just start it off this morning and said, uh, explain to me sanctification. Is there very many people in here that could say, oh, yeah, I Call on me, Pastor. I can give you the definition. See, for whatever reason, we, this is a very important work, and yet we don't really always understand what it is that's going on. Um, so let's look at it. Hebrews 10, 14. 
For by a single offering, he, that's Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Well, wait a minute. I thought I already was sanctified. What do you mean being sanctified? Okay. He, he has perfected and we are in a process of sanctification. So besides sanctifying us by his death, when we accept his lordship and, and are born again, there is a continual work of sanctification that's under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's progressive in nature because it is basically what we call the perfecting of our faith. Okay, it is it is creating or helping me to become more and more like the Lord. So I am sanctified, but I am also in the process of being sanctified. Paul said it like this in First Thessalonians five twenty three. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. And he's saying, may God continue the work that he's doing of sanctifying you completely. We describe that as progressive sanctification. And we see it as this work going on the Lord, whereby we are becoming more and more like Jesus. Now stop and think about when you gave your life to the Lord. All right? Now stop and look at yourself now. Have you grown? I hope you say yes. <laughs> Have you become more like Jesus? That is that work of sanctification. It is, it is us shifting that our nature is becoming more and more like him. He made us clean and heaven bound from the moment that he saved us. But this process is going on all the time, making us more like Jesus. So Paul's explaining it to the Philippi church like this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now look at that. He who began a good work, began a good work, will bring it to completion. The work of Christ in us is instant and it is also continual. When What Jesus started in you was, was good. It's him. But what he will have when he finishes it will be perfect. That good work, he's taking it on to perfection. Second Peter 1, 4 says, we are becoming partakers of his divine nature. Becoming partakers of his divine nature. Now, I know this, this, this is more <clears throat> like working through a lot of stuff and, and your, your mind tends to sometimes go, what? Okay. But listen. <clears throat> we, when we're saved, God does this beautiful thing like, the, like being born again. It's like a brand new baby, like that beautiful little girl back there in the back. Brand smack new. No matter what your past, you get a brand smack new start. Okay? Now, I lived years of my life with my old nature. My old nature said, you can talk like this, you can act like this, you can be like this. And none of it was godly. But then, 
I accept Jesus Christ and he becomes Lord of my life. I surrender to him by faith and grace. I'm now a new person. I have a new nature, a fresh start. But now my nature is to become like the nature of Christ. So now when you hit me, I don't hit you back. I forgive. Right? Now, I don't choose to do only the things I want to do, but I choose to do the things that Christ would have me to do. I, I, I have a different nature. That nature becoming more and more Christ-like so that the longer I live, hopefully you see more of Jesus and, and, and less of me. That is the work of sanctification that's going on. It is happening as according to Second Peter 3, 8, we are growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the reason why you need to be in your Bible. You need to be in church. You need to be in a relationship with Christian people. Why? Because it helps you to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. If you don't have some kind of accountability, if you don't have some type of motivation on our own, we do dumb. But when we surround ourselves with godly people, there is that, that iron sharpening iron. There is that spurring of one another. And we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And we together are becoming more and more like him. All right. So repentance is a part of the initial entrance into salvation. Right? But is also a continual part of my growth once I'm saved, repentance is part of a healthy Christian life. Now, it's funny because some people think, well, you know, I don't have to repent because it doesn't matter. But it does. It does matter. Your closeness to the Lord is dependent upon your repentance. Repentance is just basically the Lord saying, whoop, you're getting off track. Repentance is that continuals a work of the spirit that brings me back into alignment. <clears throat> now, here's the reason why I want to clarify that. I, boy, I had to rush through that because I looked at it and I thought, ooh, this is a lot. Here's why. Ready? In 2023, we're going to do some things differently. How many of you love different? No, some of you just lied. Uh, you repent. Okay. When you talk about change, a lot of times, we're, well, listen, here's a change in 2023. When we challenge at the end of a message or any time during a sermon, we, we, we begin to talk about, is there, if, are you not ready? Are you not saved? Do you, are you not where you're supposed to be with the Lord? I want you to be able to understand two things that are very important, Okay. If I'm talking about salvation, I'm talking about a person who is not saved, who needs to give their life and needs to surrender to the Lord. I, I, I share that because many times over the years, when I have given an altar call for salvation, I see several people raise their hand that are part of the congregation that have been part of the congregation and they raise their hand. And, and, and here's what, what I'm beginning to understand that I think you need to make sure that you also understand. 
just because before that Sunday morning service, when I said, you know, do you need the Lord to be, do you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you've not done that, you need to do that. Before that happens and a Christian raises your hand, I want you to understand something. Between the last time you raised your hand and this time, you did not lose your salvation in between there. Okay? That, 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 that concerns me that you, that you feel like you lost your salvation because you, were, you got out of church for a while. You, you were not seeking the Lord. You hadn't spent any time in your Bible. And those are not recommended, folks. I'm not giving you a pass. You should not, not live that way. You need to live on track with Jesus. But just because you haven't been in your Bible or been doing everything the right way does not mean that you lost what you have. Okay? But if you're not sure you're saved, then you raise your hand until you are. Because I'm not going to tell you you're saved when you don't feel it. You raise your hand until you are. But once you genuinely give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to know the difference between whether or not you need to get saved or you just need to, need to get back on track. You need, you feel conviction. And that's what happens a lot of times. People will feel conviction and they'll raise their hand. That conviction doesn't mean that you need to get saved. That conviction means you need to get on track. Do you see the difference? Yeah. It's very important that we begin to get, because here's what's going to happen. In 2023, I am, I am, I'm stopping. I am not going to ask you to raise your hand if you need to give your life to the Lord. And then let you put your hand back down and I'm going to pray for you while you sit right there. In 2023, when I ask you if you need Jesus Christ in your life, if you need to surrender to Jesus, the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is to walk right up here where you're going to be prayed for. Okay? So that's the way we're going to do it. And I want you to know, because if I look at you and you got your hand up and I'm, I'm like, you've been going to this church for eight years with me. You mean to tell me you're not saved? I'm still going to ask you to come to the front. If you raise your hand, I'm going to say, all right, come on. You raise your hand, come to the front. Because listen, I don't know about the rest of the world, but if you're serious about God, it's all right Amen. to make a stand and say, you know what? I'm a sinner and I need Jesus and I'm coming to the front Amen. to get prayed for, to give my life to the Lord and to surrender all to him. Okay? Now there'll be other times I'll say, hey, if you feel like you're off track, I want to pray for you. Raise your hand if you, you feel like you've just really gotten away from the Lord. Well, we're talking about something different. I want you to understand the differences there. Because we're going to try to do things better. But to do that, I also wanted you to... And, and, and here's the thing, folks. <clears throat> I don't want the enemy to steal your joy <laughs> because he makes you feel like you're losing everything because you haven't been doing everything right. If you've been selfish, you've been too busy. I'm glad there's conviction and you want to get turned around and get it right. But, uh, but and this is the last thing that's on the notes, I believe. Throw that up there. There is not much joy in salvation when you wonder from day to day if you're saved. There's not much joy. When you're always wondering, am I saved? 
Folks, when you are, you know that you are, then praise God. From that point on, stay as close to him as you can. When the enemy is making you feel like you're, you're, you're teeter-tottering and you are and you aren't and you are and you aren't and all that kind of stuff, folks, that's robbing you. You know what's the bottom, the problem with that is, first of all, you do not know what the joy of salvation is because you don't, you teeter too much. And the second thing is, is you're not really going to grow in the Lord the way you need to grow in the Lord because you feel like you got to start all over again. Yeah. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Well, we got to do it, so close your eyes. I know it's not 2023 yet, but it's, it, it, this is important. If you're here and you're not sure if you're saved... That's something you need to take care of. I can't think of a better way to end a year and to start a year than giving my life fully to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, if you cannot remember your spiritual birthday when you gave everything to the Lord, when you surrendered your life, then I'm going to invite you to come to the front because I'm going to pray with you. Me, along with the elders. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to ask God to be Lord of your life. It'll be a glorious moment. Hallelujah. Well, that's a lot of pressure, Pastor. That makes, makes me nervous. You know what? Jesus said something really interesting. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You know, if you can't acknowledge him, yeah, but everybody thinks I am saved. You, you know what? Bible doesn't say that people judge you and say, oh, I thought he was saved. The Bible says that the heavens and the angels in heaven rejoice. Hallelujah. All right. Father, we thank you. Thank you. And I praise you that, Lord, if, if there's anybody in this room and they don't feel close to you, but they, they know what it was like when they did feel close to you, I pray that today they would genuinely say, Lord, help me. I, I feel your conviction and I feel your stirring. And God, I know that you're telling me to get back on track. And I want you to repent and say, Tell the Lord you're, you're, you're sorry and ask his forgiveness and his help to get back on track because he is ready to help you because that's where he's always wanted you to be. I praise the Lord that God's love and God's grace is so magnificent. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I got I to go faster in the second service. Man. <laughs>